Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the of Arden Podcast for the Michigan Panthers. We're coming to you for, from you again live from the Chelsea Ale House. I'm Patrick, and this is Jake. And we got a lot of news, well, somewhat news, <laughs> mainly starting with the the big one is the rules. We can jump right into it, or if you have anything else you want to talk about. No, I think the rules are probably a good jumping off part point. Oh. Yeah, they finally, uh, after much speculation, they finally released the rules uh, this week. Um, and yeah, a lot of it looks pretty fun. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, honestly, I was not expecting them to release that quite as quickly as they did. Uh, XFL took, you know, they didn't have theirs finalized until a couple weeks into their training camp, mm-hmm. um, you know, from what I've read. So to, to see this, especially from the USFL, was a, you know, nice surprise. And surprisingly, unsurprisingly, I actually really did like the rules that, that they introduced. No, no real complaints um, from me on, you know, on the on the whole, same. I, I'm just kind of surprised. Not really surprised, more amused. I guess is the right word is that you know, they they made a whole big show of being oh you know the NFL helped us uh, helped us develop these rules and so you know it'd be nine eight percent same you know rule sets like, and then they come out with the new rules and it's like wow you stole a lot of the extra rules from XFL. Not really stole, but you know they're very similar in that and we'll we'll get into it. And it's like, yeah, sure, it's 98% because it's just football. <laughs> oh, of course it's going to be this very, very this similar. Right, and yeah, that's kind of one of the, you know, little bit of uh, PR speak in that it's right. 98% the same but 2% different when, yeah, I mean, we're what, 98, 99% the same as chimpanzees, shared <laughs> right. DNA, right. And, you know, and we're wildly different. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Right. But I think the changes that they did make uh, were really, really important ones to make, especially for the the trend in trying to get the spring leads, especially to be more offensive forward and uh-huh. also to not take, you know, your entire afternoon for one game. Right. So the these rules kind of go in, coincide with that. They go along with that. I, it makes perfect sense to me to see what, what we've seen. Um, but what was your favorite rule change? I was a I was a huge fan of pretty much all the XFL rule changes, and these are kind of in line. Uh, I think my favorite one is going to be if we ever get to it. Okay, so I have two favorites because one we might not even get to it because when like we saw in the XFL, we never even got to see it. But overtime rules, I like. I loathe the NFL overtime rules and I think almost everybody is involved that is not the NFL also is probably does not like them um, so these these overtime rules they're pretty similar to the XFL one overtime rules you know it's a best of three scoring format uh, each each offense will get the ball at the, op- uh, the opponent's two yard line and then they have three attempts and if they're still tied then they go into sudden death so that's very, very exciting to me. Where it's not, it's not pretty much a guaranteed, uh, you know, coin flip, like the NFL. Yeah, the NFL overtime rules for the regular season, though, more or less inconsequential with how they're set up. Because what, fifty-two percent of right. the the winner who wins the coin flip, you know, win the game. So it's pretty much fifty-fifty. But it's obviously when you get to the playoffs where the discrepancy is glaring and that you know that there's quite a, a hole that the NFL needs to fill with, you know, with making it make sense. So the USFL uh, borrowing heavily from the XFL gets to really do that for both the regular season and postseason. Like I said, if we ever, if we yeah. ever see it, uh, I love the idea that we'll get to see the shootout. Right. And, you know, and that'll make me more invested in the you know in the late game it's like more you know nfl games generally by the fourth quarter it's like all right like even if they go to overtime it's just gonna be coin flip. it's not exciting this it's like oh okay like if each team just continues to compete then they could reasonably come out of a tie uh it's not like i said it's not decided almost by the coin flip um but my prep most my practical favorite, though, is going to be the various uh, after, after, uh, not after, what's the word I'm looking for? 
uh, extra point. The, ex the, the, the extra point uh, system is it's similar to the XFL system, but slightly different. Um, me personally, like I was, I like the XFLs just because the kicking, you know, the one the one point was still wasn't a kick, so it wasn't guaranteed. But you know, this is fine. Um, I do like it, this variant. So again, this rule, um, you have a choice of a one, two, or three extra point. Um, the first two are the same as the NFL. Uh, you know, you can go for the 15-yard uh, field goal, which I guess in the NFL is what? Is that 15 still? I don't remember. 15 or 20, but I do I think believe it might it. be 20. But yeah, so it's it's a one point, you know, one point extra point, 15-yard field goal, two point, uh, two point conversion for the, at the two-yard line. But then they're adding the three-point option, which is a extra point, uh, three extra points from the ten-yard line play. So that that's exciting because it'll give a lot of leeway and give a lot of more bold actions. It might not, you might just not just see another automatic point, you know. So and you know to get three extra points, that's a whole field goal. So you'll see a lot of teams want to try to utilize that more. I think. And just for clarification, the I did just double check the PAT uh, for the NFL is from the 15, so they've oh, they've yeah, kept it the same. Yeah. So the PAT, the two point conversion, are identical to what you see in the NFL and NCAA, and then you go to the three point. Now, call me a purist, but I actually like having the PAT. I like it being actually a kick. So having that be the same, and then throw on the three point conversion from the 10 mixing you know take a little bit from the xfl it, that that resonates with me that's better i did not again being a pierce i did not like the xfl you know not being able to kick and not having the automatic again probably just you know part of refusing to <laughs> to embrace change i'll admit that yeah i mean on one hand it's like one of those things where like I'm always of the mindset where like if a field goal or a or a point after attempt is uh, determining your fate, then you probably shouldn't be worried about it in the first place because your team fucked up. But at the same point, like I really enjoy not having the automatic like ha the automatic flexibility of or the automatic extra point because like oh it could swing because you know the four rules were you know is one point from the two yard line, two points from the five, and three points from the ten, just regular plays. So that you know, it was more constant action rather than it's up. Oh, here's a field goal. Congratulations, you know. Which I, I get your point, and I and I also, I agree somewhat to it. But at the same point, I really liked the. So I think this is a good, very good um, compromise between the two of having the traditional options. But yeah, you, if you want to be bold, sure, go for that three. Let's go <laughs> if you're feeling hot. <laughs> and it's understandable that you're a little weary about kicking, being a Bears fan, but double doink. Yeah. <laughs> You said it, not me. <laughs> but beyond that, for me, I think the the one rule that probably I really like is the double forward pass. I was excited with it with the XFL, yes. and I'm excited for it this time around, too, with the USFL. I did not see it as much as I wanted to see it. But we also got but cut five, short of a full season. So. Yeah, but five <laughs> weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what would have happened in the second half. Yeah. But I love what we got to see out of what we did. Absolutely. In the probably the best example of that would be the Landry Jones yep. batted ball, having the wherewithal to catch it and then throw it downfield for completion. Right. You wouldn't be able to have that in the NFL or in college. And to be able to see that and to be able to pun it and to not punish a team for having that wherewithal is nice to see. And then, of course, you had more of the standard intentional double forward pass with the flip from Cardale and then uh, when it ended up being the flea flicker for another long completion. So. I'd like to see more examples of that. I'd like to see a little more ingenuity. Again, having, you know, 10, 12 weeks of that with the USFL, I think we should probably be seeing a little more of the double forward pass. At least I hope so. If they want to score, if they want to make this exciting, then I really hope that they do double down on that, you know, that ability now to have the double forward pass as long as, you know, the first pass is 
behind the line of scrimmage. Or, well, caught behind the line of scrimmage. I think uh, my second favorite is going to be the, uh, will have to be the outside kick alternative. You know, you'll have the traditional option of kicking outside kick if you want. But if you're feeling particularly ballsy and you're, you know, your offense has been running hot all night and you need some uh, quick, uh, you need to keep your possession, uh, you could choose this alternative. Is if you can, uh, if you can convert a fourth and twelfth play on thirty-three, then. Uh, then you keep the ball and keep going. And that, of course, borrowed directly from the AAF, which yeah. we actually did see yeah. happen. Did I see believe that. that was my woeful Atlanta Legends able to convert that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I blacked out on the game because I you know, suppressed the, the it's negative memories. I, I do believe <laughs> that was a loss, so yeah. I, I, I try to not think too hard on that. Yeah, no, and that... Yeah, I was struggling in my head. Thank you for clarifying because I was about to search for it. Um, I couldn't remember if that was XFL or AF. But, yeah, I, I, re- I love that rule in the AF where you could just go for it in turn instead of – because onside kicks rarely work. But, like, if we're being honest here, it takes a lot of skill by the kicker, a lot of ineptness on the def- you know, on the opposing offense. So, there's still, like – so, again, like you said – putting a lot of emphasis on offense. Like, if an offense is running particularly hot, th- these are going to be viable options. And, you know, last-ditch effort, you know. Who, lo- who doesn't love a comeback? Yeah, comeback story, too, you know. <laughs> and it, well, and it adds a wrinkle in that if you fail, oh, yeah. that y- the opponent gets the ball on, you know, where, where the play ended, at the dead ball spot. Yeah. So if you, you get sacked... <laughs> then the uh, d- defense gets the ball quite uh, in a, quite a pretty position, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a, it's a great... Yeah, so. One thing that I'm not 100% sure of, though I am going to make the assumption that if the USFL didn't make a point to mentioned, mention what the rule changes, that you, we can assume that it is identical to the NFL, so I'm hoping that we don't have to, or that a team does not have to announce that they're going to be doing an onside kick. Yeah, because the XFL made it a point that they had that they had to announce it, um, so I think since they didn't announce it here, I'm sure that yeah, you don't have to. Which is good for me, uh, which yeah, is what I, I like. I, I, I like did not too. like that change with the XFL. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting change that yeah I wasn't particularly a fan of so yeah I, the fact that you can do you know you can do a standard outside kick if you want but otherwise you know otherwise you can go for it you know go for it in the fourth and twelve let's go <laughs> hopefully we don't have to see that from the Panthers but you know I, I am excited to see if you know if yeah. there's other teams that do do have the the gall to yeah. to go for that yeah I I just like more options, you know, the mat, you know, have the traditional stuff, but, you know, I love that there's a lot of options here, so nothing's, it's not as static as NFL, so I'm, I'm excited, I'm very excited. Now, one curious change that I, for the rule change here, is the defensive pass interference. Oh, yeah. Kind of embracing more of a college style as far as um, if the DPI is beyond 15 yards downfield that unless the defender is tackling the receiver it is going to be a 50 yard penalty if they do tackle the receiver it is really egregious DPI you know penalty then then it will be a spot foul but they're going to borrow more from college and that it's going to be pretty much most DPIs that you see beyond 15 yards are just going to be the 15-yard penalty. Right. Which, that's fine. I, I'm, I hate, yeah, I hate the, the NFL so much because, you know, the DPI, OPI rules are so uh, ref-dependent that one, you know, one game someone could be, like, basically tackling the dude and it won't be called and the same exact thing will happen in the next game and it will be called, you know, seemingly on big plays. Uh, so this allows you, you know, 
at least if it does happen, get called, it, it won't be as... Yeah, obviously if he's tackling it, then yeah, he should definitely be called fairly egregious. But if it's just going to be ticky-tacky, yeah, that's that's fine. I'm fine with not punishing mm. players for ticky-tacky and stuff like that. Though the interesting departure from what we're used to is that 15 yards and, you know, and closer to the line of scrimmage, it's going to be a spot foul. Yeah. So, obviously, again, with the assuming that if they didn't mention the difference and it's a DPI, it's like a defensive holding. It's going to be an automatic first down. But with inside 15 yards, it'll be a spot foul. So, you know, you, you commit the penalty, you know, 10 yards downfield, it's going to be essentially a 10-yard penalty instead of an automatic 15. So yeah, that that seems fair to me. Same. Uh, as long as it's an automatic first down, then then I'm good with that. Gonna be a little interesting trying to remember like wait why why is that only a eight yard <laughs> right. penalty rather than 15? But right, right. <laughs> but touching also on you you saying you know the egregious fouls being called one time and then and miss the next. The league seems to be emphasizing that they are going to be able to review the calls, you know, as as they happen, like kind of double check, go or have the booth review and be able to to do, you know, any changes in the calls as necessary. I'm cautiously optimistic that that'll actually happen uh-huh. because as we saw that that's what the NFL has implemented but do they ever overturn or change a a call it has to be be glaring and sometimes not even that (laughs) sometimes not even that works so color me skeptical that the USFL is going to do a better job I hope they do if they can keep the, the refs you know accurate they can change you know calls where as needed and keep the pace of the game going I welcome it. I'm not going to shit on this rule change, uh, on on this approach, but I am going to be skeptical. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, our our common circle circles. Uh, I mean, all we want the biggest thing is is rough transparency and like accountability. So if if the if the USFL can provide that, like. XFL, that was a, one of the big, huge things I loved about it, is refs were mic'd up, you could see their thought process, they had sky jugs, they had all these things to lessen the impact of, of plays, you know, a, a penalty is uh, turn the game over, and it was like, oh, was that an actual penalty, you know, and they kept it, you know, quick, so if the SFL can do something similar and, you know, keep it accurate, I'm all for it. And now, one consequence of that change, though, being each coach now only has one challenge. Again, that's a change that, while I, you know, again, pretty much love every other rule change that they've made, this is one that I'm not thrilled about. I do like the coaches being able to to make more challenges like they do. Yeah. So the one challenge a game is going to be a little iffy. Uh, if Agreed. if the sky if the booth judges are able to to make the correct call, then uh, additional coaches challenges won't be necessary. Then I'm good with that. Yeah, it'll depend on how they on how they treat uh, treat everything. So yeah, if, they, if they can if they can be police themselves, then yeah, I'm all for the coach having a reduced challenge because then they won't need to. And they'll be doing all these. What reviews from New York and LA, if I remember correctly? I believe so, yeah. So that'll be. So they should have all the angles, they should have all of the camera views, so I'm cautiously optimistic about this. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully. Hopefully it works out. Now, with what the XFL called the comeback period, the USFL is going to do something a little similar with clock stoppage on uh, the first down within the two-minute warnings, much like what we have with the NCAA. What are your thoughts? This is probably the most controversial rule change, at least from, again, our common circles that have been talking about it. Um, I'm in between 
thoughts on that. I mean, in one hand, like, I like that it'll encourage people to not automatically go for, um, go for just running out of bounds to keep stopping the clock. On the other hand, it seems a little bit, I don't know. It, I guess it will depend on where they are in the field position. Because like if they're already like by the goal at the two-minute line, then the point will be moved, right? Um, but if they're, you know, if they're at the 40-yard line at the two-minute line, that's going to be real annoying real quick. Where it's like, oh, they got another first down, clock stop. Oh, no, you know, it'll kind of all depend on field position, I think. For me, personally, if I, how annoyed I'm going to get, but... I, I do like how we encourage people not to just immediately bolt to the sideline. We're going to actually you know, create a play. And I'm going to then break from that crowd because me being a fan of college first, I love this rule change. Uh-huh. I love being able to, like, you just get the first down, clock stops so the ball's reset, then you just keep going. So I'm used to it. That is the most... Our football that I consume is, you know, college football. So that's going to be more natural to me than having, you know, the clock not stop on first down. So I don't see it as an issue. I prefer it. I don't know if I can necessarily quantify why I prefer it, other than probably just my familiarity with it, watching yeah. more college than NFL. And at the end of the day, it's only at the two-minute warnings. So I don't think it's really going to be as big an issue as people are making it to be. Um, me, myself, I know it's not going to be a big deal for me, even though I'm skeptical a little bit. But, again, it all kind of it all kind of depend for me on how it shakes out. And so, yeah. I'm hoping it's, like you said, and it'll just kind of keep it going. Um, and like I said, I am I am a fan of it just because it won't encourage, you know, NFL gets really annoying at me because it's like, oh, he went out of bounds. Oh, he went out of bounds. Oh, he went out of bounds. And then, oh, he got... And this will also keep the game going a little faster than even what the XFL did. I'm looking now back again at their comeback period rule. Uh-huh. And it was on after every play inside the two-minute warning that ended in the field of play. So whether it was a first down or not, the game clock stopped until the ball was placed and then five seconds of the play clock had run down. So that was even more of a stop, and you didn't even have to get the first down to be able to get the clock to stop. So I did not like that in the XFL. Again, maybe just because change is hard and and no one likes it. <laughs> I don't but, like change. <laughs> but with with this, with the USFL, I think kind of strikes a good balance between XFL, NCAA, and, and what we see in the NFL. So I like it. Again, it's what I'm used to, so I'm not going to complain. It's, like I said, for me, it'll be a situation. We'll see how it shakes out. At the end of the day, I don't think it'll be a, a big deal. Even if, it, even if I'm like slightly annoyed by it, I, I'll get over it, and it'll be fine. <laughs> it won't be like game-breaking for me at all. So. <laughs> yeah, it, hopefully for us anyway that the game will be well in hand with the Panthers' victory, you know, oh, yeah, ensured yeah. that – it's not going to matter what, what, what no, our opponents no. do. I mean, so I'm, they don't I'm need gonna... to go for the first. They're just going to throw it for the touchdown and be good. You know, so. <laughs> and then our defense will, you know, get the takeaway. And yeah, absolutely. As long as we can enjoy the victory formation, I'm, I'm good with the rules. Absolutely. Unbridled enthusiasm. Unbridled optimism here. <laughs> Let's go. It's what I know. And before our hopes get crushed. What? No. <laughs> I don't think so. No. I don't know. We'll be good. We'll be good. Man, I think I think those are all the rules changes that, that they've announced. Uh, that's the book of it. They did have some OPI change where if the pass oh, yeah. doesn't cross the line of scrimmage, then there's not going to be an offensive pass interference play or um, ineligible player downfield. So those are some of the smaller changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, in stream play will be LA. Not New York, so just just LA. Oh, just um, LA. Yeah, but pretty much that's the same now, or, or that's all the the rule changes that we have. Though one thing that was kind of surprising, at least to me, was that what we had seen with the AAF and the XFL is that there had been an emphasis or to a change that 
they adopted the one foot catch rule that oh, yeah. you only needed to you know have one foot inbounds like That's NCAA right. yeah. to you know to complete the catch. Whereas I again back to the assuming that if it wasn't announced as a change, that is then the NFL rule. So I was a little surprised to see that they didn't mention that they were going to the one foot to complete the catch. They are, again, assuming, seemingly keeping with the two feet. Yeah, which I much prefer the NTA one foot rule. I will agree. I will be with you on that one. Especially not even for, like, any skill, like, any, uh, any quote-unquote, like, skill factor involved, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, oh, you know, college players get handheld, you know, do it, whatever, not even the, for that skill aspect, it's just one foot roll, it gets so much clarity on what and what isn't a catch, it, it's so frustrating sometimes when, you know, that fellow can't decide whether something's a catch because, oh, the line on this, you know, on, on this angle, the line of the Adidas logo or the Nike swoosh, like, may have crossed over, but on this side, it doesn't look like it's only to, you know, spend 15 minutes debating whether the fuck it's a catch or not. It's like, if it's a one rule, it's a, if it's a one, just boom, done, go. Like, continue, let's go. I, I, I was very surprised, I was very hopeful that they would, you know, explicitly say that it was a one-foot rule, but... Yep. I, I would have hoped for the one foot to, you know, to complete the catch, but honestly, at the same time, I get it. Probably because you, if, while the USFL isn't going to, you know, build themselves as a developmental league, they're not going to build themselves as to try to get the players to the NFL. I think they realize that that's ultimately goal, and I think this might be one of those changes that they just wanted to keep similar to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I could see that because if the receivers like get good and get, you know, get used to one foot, and then all of a sudden they try to be, you know. You know, exercising for the NFL and start attempting to get break into that, and then also they have to deal with two. Uh, yeah, that's a whole different change. But on the other hand, they did that initially. They had that change from the NCAA yeah. to the NFL. So yeah, I, I, yeah, that's that's exactly. kind of it's yeah, kind that's of kind weird, of an iffy argument. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a weird area to be in. But I also like the fact that there might be more circus catches yeah. uh, that are completed with a one foot versus two but I'm you know there's there's been enough amazing catches that we've seen in the NFL with right. with two feet so I'm not terribly I'm not upset yeah. Yeah. yeah this is not one of those things that is make or break uh, yeah. but it was definitely interesting to me something that I did not expect to have happened I did I did expect that they were going to continue with the one foot so that was a little shocking to me <laughs> Were there any other changes or non-changes that were surprising? Not, not really. Like the whole. I mean, pretty much all the big changes we talked about were a little bit surprising, just because of their attitude. And when they announced, like, "Oh, we work directly with the NFL," you know, and so forth. So the fact that they varied this much, but that. Overall, I think it's a good hybrid of you know, traditional NFL rules, but experimenting as well. And you know, given the NFL stance on what we talked about last week, how they have access to the XFL's data, and how they are, you know, they're look, they are definitely in in talks with the USFL and have developed this rule set alongside the USFL. Um, this is definitely a good balance, and we'll see if how any of this affects the NFL going forward. So. I was I was surprised that initially, and then rolling back, you know, then I kind of thought about it for like a little bit, and I was like, oh no, it makes sense that they, you know, that they worked with NFL to kind of keep it in line, traditional, but still had a bunch of ex- experimental stuff up front. So. One thing that the USFL did not mention that I was expecting to see was uh, any change to the play clock, which. And they didn't mention any changes to play clock that I can find that I can remember. I thought there were rumblings of of changes, but nothing that I've seen. And I actually like that. I one of my complaints with with the AAF and XFL were that they had 
kind of they were trying to shorten that and I felt that that pace was a little too quick for offenses to get set and get prepared and so not seeing that was a welcome surprise but a surprise nonetheless now the one thing that also another thing that I actually was um, confused about or expecting to see was again the illegal man downfield I guess I'm. What do you mean by that? Well, they lengthened it, it with the oh, yeah. AAF and the XFL, yeah, or at least right. I know for sure with the XFL. I yeah. do believe the AAF as well that's right. that they extended it beyond just the one yard in the NFL uh-huh. to the three yards, and I thought that they would do something similar, especially with trying to promote offense mm-hmm. and with all the RPOs that we're supposedly going to be seeing in the USFL you would think allowing offensive linemen to go downfield a little farther would be advantageous. But again, maybe this is one of those things where they want to keep closer to the NFL to, to not hinder, you know, offensive linemen to be able to get back into the NFL or get to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That that makes sense. And that's, Obviously, purely speculation. We have no way of knowing that for sure. But I imagine maybe that is, but... I'm, sh- I'm or, sure there were talks about it, you know, back and forth. Or maybe they didn't <laughs> think that that was going to be big enough of an issue uh, to even have to then change it. Yeah, yeah. Why extend it if it's never, you know, not an issue to begin be, with? Yeah, it's probably, they probably figured it's going to be moved. But that was a little bit of a surprise. I did expect them to change it as, as we had seen before. So Yeah, I guess it's one of those things, uh, you know, as we were talking about earlier, where when we all discussed it, and now, now that we're talking about it again, is that, like, I was kind of surprised where they did have this explicit stuff where, like, you know, the, the overtime, the, the extra point attempts, you know, whatever. Uh, but as we're talking, it's like all this little stuff that they never explicitly said, is this the same as NFL or not? So I guess it's probably safe to assume that if it's not listed, it's probably just going to be the same as NFL. Yeah, because looking at all their graphics, all their videos, it was pretty much just an emphasis on the things that were different. So I'm running with that assumption. I see no reason to think otherwise. Yeah. Um, if we find out otherwise, obviously that'll be interesting, and you know, I'm hoping that we'll maybe, maybe again with like what the XFL did, they changed some additional rules during training training camp to kind of see that you know some of these rule changes weren't actually working as yep. they had hoped or they intended. So we could see more. I'm not gonna assume that these are written in stone, but I like what we see, and I think that these are common sense rule changes ones that even if they weren't trying to improve uh, scoring they make sense to me so yeah, I'm happy about it same and like I said before and I'll say it again and then we can move on I'm, I'm very happy that there's a good balance of you know, traditional rules but then it scrambles and stuff's on top so teams you know gives more options for teams and I'm always for that yeah, keeps more of us purists happy while um, <laughs> while making the changes that are that are necessary. Which again, if they change in training camp, uh, we will find out soon. As yeah. training camp has started this week. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing occasionally. Yeah. So players started to report on Tuesday from. Nothing from the league, but from everything that I've seen or that I've heard, seems... Tuesday, the 23rd. Yeah, 23rd. We're recording on Thursday the 24th, so... So Tuesday the 22nd. I know how to math. I promise. <laughs> you know how to week too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> so with players reporting on Tuesday, um, looks like they just pretty much made rounds for photography for you know getting used to the players. But from what I've heard, from what you know, I, I've seen sounds like for Friday the 25th is the first time that players will actually get to be practicing together. Uh, though it does seem like QBs and receivers have already been practicing together. Obviously, not padded, not full padded practice. Right. So. 
we get to, yeah, which gets to start this weekend. So I'm excited to that. Um, but happy to know that all the players are now in in Birmingham. They're all together. They're meeting with obviously the league and with their teams, with their coaches, getting playbooks. Though hopefully that they've already seen the playbooks before now. Uh, that's that's my hope. Just because with this truncated training camp that they have. They, they're going to need to hit the books. They're going to need to be able to develop this chemistry quickly if they're going to rise above what we saw with the AAF and XFL right at, right at the start. But so, again, with, with them hitting the, the field tomorrow, hopefully we start seeing some video clips of, of play because that was one thing that we got to see with the XFL and AAF, and I think that'll go a long way with, with fans. I know it, it certainly did for me. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm hoping to see that. Anything to get more access to the fans, I'm always happy for it. So, yeah, I, I agree. I hope that they realize this. And it, it seems like their social media team is slowly getting into it. Emphasis on slowly. Yep. But so hopefully that they, they realize that, yeah, we would love to see this kind of thing. Yeah, and the USFL and team accounts have been active on social media the last couple of days with with clips and and photos of, of players, especially the you know the quarterbacks who are going to be you know understandably the face of most of the teams. Looks like they're doing some more of the similar things they did with the coaches with draw your team's logo. So <laughs> that'll be interesting to see how they play that out. I'm assuming they'll drag that out like they they have with the coaches, yeah, but. Um, but I'm happy to you know see stuff with with the players. Though curiously, we talk about or I talk about pl- the teams being active on social with the players being in Birmingham. One team in particular I've noticed has been absent from the social media activity, and that is our Panthers. Yeah, I I, I noticed that too. It's like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> As I as I, we talk now, I'm still looking, and I do not see where where they have posted anything in the last few days, other than just retweeting. Yeah, other than just retweeting the new rules, they have not put any new player content out. But some may be questioning that. I'm going to take the optimistic route for once and say that it is Fisher and just keeping his team on lock. They're focused. (laughs) Photography, NFTs, all all, all that stuff involved with with the league as a whole. Irrelevant. They need to, you know, focus on on the task at hand. And assuming that Fisher's a little more old school with that, I'm going to make the assumption that's what he's doing. That's my preference. I mean, granted, I would also like to see player content, too. I, I want to know more about our players. I want to see them having fun with the league. Right. Um, which is also something that the league is putting an emphasis on, at least especially uh, on Discord. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you saw last night or all, but there were some discussions as well as some players getting on the official USFL Discord, and, and yeah, and interacting with with players. I believe may it may have only been just the one player, uh, Manuel Beal, uh, for the Bandits. Okay. But there were Fox employees asking who else we wanted to see, and you know, other oh, names were thrown out. That's cool. And I made sure that I, you know, had to throw out our QB as as a name that I wanted to see. Absolutely. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, they definitely seem to to be focusing more on social media and activity. So I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what we get from the training camp. Yeah, I you know we talked you know we talked about last episode and we talked about in just in general as you know how how little at first we started to get, but it seems like they're finally starting to kind of realize like, hey, yeah, let's engage the fans a little bit more. <laughs> Let's get people with hypes. That'd be, that'd be, that's good. And if you've been on Discord, then you'll you'll know that there's been some of the optimism uh-huh. 
So I, I think hopefully that's coming to fruition. I think it is. Um, I'm looking forward to said, seeing all of the players yep. getting on social media, getting excited for the for the season. I want the players. I mean, ultimately, I want us to win, but right. I want to see. I want to see them having fun. I want to see them match. You know, the excitement and the energy levels of the AAF and the XFL. So yeah, for sure. We'll see. Uh, speaking of exciting, uh, we have the week three schedule. So, the so that's that's exciting because that features the first uh, doubleheader, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Looking at, uh, I'm looking at the other the schedule for weeks one and two, and no doubleheader. Uh, April thirtieth, Saturday is the first doubleheader that we see on yeah, April Fox. April thirtieth. Yeah. So four p.m. is Tampa Bay versus Houston. 4 p.m. Eastern time, and then Pittsburgh, Michigan, 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's that'll be exciting. Looking forward to it. I plan on watching all the games that weekend, but uh, prime time Saturday on Fox. I'm 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 looking forward to to looking forward to to the true, the most intense rivalry, (laughs) at least according to Discord so far. (laughs) Which hey, I'm embracing. Yeah, we played the mailers. Yeah, let's go. Go Panthers. So yeah, that's exciting. Um, it'll be interesting if we get more updates uh, soon. I'm sure we will. Yeah, we'll we'll get the schedules two weeks before each week uh, per the league. So yeah, we we won't know any further until the league starts. I'm assuming. So yeah, but, yeah. So definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm all for a doubleheader. <laughs> Speaking of new information, we do have updates on lawsuits regarding the USFL. Yeah. So, as we expected, um, we talked last week that the USFL and real USFL, Fox and Big TSL, yeah, did not uh, come to any sort of agreement. So, there was going to be a new motion filed, which the real USFL, the Earhart-led plaintiff side filed a new motion for an injunction and the court date on that is set for April 18th so we will have at least one weekend of USFL football and then we will find out what <laughs> happens no after that. well no I'm sure we'll still see football no, I, but I'm just messing around so I'm still optimistic about you know that not going where the injunction will not get approved but at least we will have one weekend where that will not be necessarily on our minds. And then shortly after that, on the uh, on that Monday, we there will be that case to see if the judge will grant the injunction, which I think most people anticipate will fail. Uh, then, of course, you know, there'll be court proceedings after that for the lawsuit in general. But that is then uh, there to keep an eye on. But what also came out this week was that the Carolina Panthers of the NFL, obviously, filed a lawsuit against the Spring League for the trademark of Michigan Panthers. Oh my goodness! This is, and this is coming off the heels of the NFL. I mean, we're not going to go with the NFL one, but yeah, the NFL, the Houston Oil, the old Houston Oilers. Well, the NFL went after the uh, Houston Roughnecks of the XFL for using a similar logo to the old Houston Oilers logo, which I bet at this point half, more than half the audience like, who the fuck are the Houston Oilers and why is this even part of the story? Which they're different. I'm getting heated, but... I would say, this, this cuts a little deeper for you yeah. being a Roughnecks yeah, fan than, than does for me. Fan, but still, I mean, it's just so so stupid and it's one of those things where the NFL has a lot of money behind it so they can afford to kind of bully people around and just go for you know quick settlements versus you know because it's you know I'm not a lawyer and I'm not going to claim to be but the same you know in whatever but like copyright is pretty uh, pretty explicit on saying like you need to prove that one this one logo is interfering with another logo to to your drawing way sales and yeah. the fact that you know they're with, with trademark law not copyright law yeah, but sorry, with trademark tra- yeah, law yeah 
and they're it's pretty explicit in that in that aspect and like I don't you know and it, I I think anyone that's gonna search for Michigan Panthers is gonna be aware of there's a Carolina Panthers and search for Michigan Panthers there's not gonna be a confusion on which one you're buying yes they're both Panther logos one's deeply red one is blue and black uh, I'm I'm not worried about that because, curiously I mean, enough, after what happened with the Roughnecks, I kind of am to be honest. Well, no, because I I think the key point that you're missing on this is that the lawsuit is not or has not named Fox at all. It's just the Springley and oh, Fox is fair. who owns the USFL and the trademarks for uh, the Panthers. So or our Panthers. So I. This lawsuit is curious because it's just naming the Spring League as the defendant and not Fox. I am completely have completely misunderstood them because uh, all I saw because I I just read about it like the other day like yesterday or the day before where I heard about the Panthers suing. So I immediately assumed it had to do with the Michigan Panthers of the USFL. But yeah, if they specifically called out the Spring League, then yeah. This, they called out the Spring League for their trademark on Michigan Panthers, oh, and and not the Fox-owned yeah. USFL. So oh, then, what the hell's they even putting the point? I mean, it's curious. Well, it's going to be an interesting point to see like what transpires and if you know somehow the USFL gets wrapped into it. But as it stands now, the only named defendant is the Spring League, which. By all everything that I've seen is pretty much defunct at this point, just kind of left for dead. Which, I mean, makes sense considering that they owe Indianapolis like 1.4 million um, for hotel. Right. But so that'll that'll be interesting. We'll see if that spills over. But seeing as Fox and the USFL owned, you know, Panthers trademark is not named in this, I don't think this is something to really worry about but it's just kind of something curious that you know came up this week that is in a way related but you know also not really yeah I mean yeah if they called out the spring league in general but there is just that nagging thing in the back of my mind and seeing what happened with the roughnecks that like if it but at the same point the NFL and the USL seem to be cooperating more and so why you know why would they try to kind of uh, test that relationship by doing this. But it is the NFL, they're greedy bastards, so who knows? And it's our initial reaction to be, why can't we have anything nice? So, you know, right. once bitten, twice shy. <laughs> and, I, and I think that counts here. Well, twice bitten with AF and XFL. So yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're especially apprehensive here. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not actually worried about it, but there's just a the nagging feeling in the back of my mind like they could you know if they really wanted to they could try and do something but yeah whatever considering that the panthers michigan panthers trademark predates the carolina panthers yeah. by a decade i i'm sure. i'm not i'm not terribly concerned yeah, yeah it, that's absolutely true so have fun if you want to try <laughs> okay. but in related to trademarks New merch. The last time that we saw a merch drop was with the uh, uniform reveals for all eight teams. Uh-huh. Uh, since that, over a month ago, it's been the same thing. No new new merch drop. There's no polos, no quarter zips, no hoodies, anything like that uh, on the store currently. But... Just being in Michigan, I really want to hoodie. <laughs> Especially right now, uh, <laughs> yep. for sure. Perfect as spring, as spring continues to drag on, uh-huh. uh, or well, just started, but the the cooler weather will continue yeah. to drag on. Yeah. The, I have heard rumblings of new merch coming. I haven't heard any confirmation on that from any league sources. I haven't heard anything as far as dates are concerned. But that is something I've heard from a few different people so I'm hoping that we will see new merch because uh, as it stands every league every team that I support I end up buying hoodie for um, right. Panthers will be no different yeah I, there, there's a couple merchant a couple a couple of things of merchandise I want um, where I would like the 
actual Panther logo, like especially the hats, where I like the Panther logo rather than like just Michigan Panthers across it. So I hope they do more variations. The word mark, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I honestly, I'd, you know, being in Michigan, I'd love a, a hoodie or you know quarter zip or something. Something I could wear, you know, in the spring and fall. Um, yeah, hoodies are my wardrobe eight, nine months out of the year. So <laughs> yeah. having a Panthers hoodie same, would be, uh, would be <laughs> ideal. Yeah, especially now that I work from home too. I'll be wearing that, that sucker twenty four seven. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I don't again don't know any dates, any idea of when it'll come. I've heard around right before or right around the first week of the season. So. Be on the lookout for that. I'm hopeful. Um, I'm ready to to drop more money than I should on on Michigan Panthers gear. So look out for that. And I looking forward to next year when we could wear it at a game. Hopefully. Well, I mean, we we've had discussion. I I think that with uh, as we touched on last week, I think the point is to try to get us into to market. So yeah. I'm still optimistic. I'm going to keep harping on that, you know, and hoping that it comes true. Absolutely. But I think that's pretty much all that we really have to discuss this week. Not a whole lot. Uh, next week we'll have training camp, hopefully quite a bit of footage, more information coming out. But as it stands now, uh, we're just keeping our eyes on the social media and waiting to see what we get. Yeah, whatever, um, yeah, whatever they choose to release. So with that, I think we'll leave you until next week. Yeah, until you know, until we come on to the episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Our Den USFL or Instagram at Our Den USFL. A little more information about us, as well as link to all of our socials, you can can be found on our website at Our Den Co. And of course. If you, you care at all about my random ramblings throughout the week, uh, you can follow my football Twitter at Cheese Soda FB. Sounds good. Uh, well, we'll talk to you next week and have a good one.